you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. For us. If you have your Bibles tonight and would turn with me to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, I will read. I'm going to have a lengthy reading tonight, and I... Um, Hopefully you'll understand um, as we unveil what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. This message tonight, it is certainly not a sermon. If you came to hear a sermon, I apologize. Come back. We'll have a good preacher in later. But I'm going to bring you a message, what the Lord has laid on my heart, what he inspired me with. And I'm going to bring a little thought to you tonight. And I'm going to preach some vision for our future. And we're going to talk a little bit about some vision things that God has laid upon us, where we're going. I told you some time ago that in order for the church to be able to move into the new building, the Lord spoke to me several years ago, probably three years ago, and said he would hold everything until we had all things in order in this church and that our move to the new campus would be strategic of the Lord. And I believe that God is lining some things up, and it's very strategic that God is moving us into a new building. As a matter of fact, some of our evangelism initiatives that I'm going to speak to you about tonight that are already underway uh, are literally, we are ready for them, but we're on hold because we can't house all the people we need to house in this building. And so we're going to move into the new building and we're going to see if that building's going to be able to house them because I believe the Lord spoke to some folks. Maybe I don't recall if it was kids prayer or who, but there were some that the Lord showed that building on State Road 28 filled a capacity with people gathered outside. And so I'm believing that kind of revival is going to come to the church. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Speaking of Jesus, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know thee who thou art the holy one of God and Jesus rebuked him 
saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the fame of him went into every place of the country round about. And he rose and went out of the synagogue. Everybody say, out of the synagogue. And he entered into Simon's house and Simon's wife's mother, that would be his mother-in-law for those of you that have a hard time making the connections, was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her. I hope this was my water from, in the, from this morning. If not, I hope whosoever water it was is not contagious. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's mother-in-law was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed out of Simon's house, of course, and he went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. Verse 43, and he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God, to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. So I want to talk to you this evening for a little while about four important places of ministry. Four important places of ministry. God... We need your help tonight, Lord, as you inspired me with these words tonight. I pray, God, you give the inspiration and impartation of the Holy Ghost to this congregation. Rest upon us tonight, God, and let your voice speak to the people, Lord, where my weakness of speech fails, Lord, that the Holy Ghost would speak and impart to the congregation, Lord, what you are wanting to speak and say and accomplish the purpose for which you're sending your word for truly your presence has met with us tonight in this house and we have already sensed and felt your presence and if there be one tonight with a need in their life I pray God that they've already responded but should they not I pray Lord that by the end of this service and conclusion of this message tonight that you Lord touch their hearts and inspire them to take that step of faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight honor him with the fruit of your hands tonight. Magnify Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. 
four places ministry. People say ministries everywhere. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. I appreciate that fan. Could you turn it just behind me a little bit, maybe where it's not blowing directly on me? It, it dries out my palate. Thank you. It feels good. Four places of ministry. There's many places for ministry. Now, some of you perhaps tonight may already be wondering why that we would even attempt to address this issue. It's because I believe that ministry is for everyone. Contrary to popular belief, I believe that every person that God calls to salvation, he calls to do a work of ministry. Understanding your ministry and understanding your gift in ministry or gifts in ministry is vital. God plants us. We are a building fitly framed together. Not everybody can be a cornerstone. Not everybody can be the brick ledge. We are one body, many members. There can only be one left pinky. Somebody has to be the right. Somebody's got to be the thumb, the nose, the earlobe, and the armpit. We have to understand what God has called us to do and the function and the purpose by which he has called us. I recognize today I... Sang this morning, I reached back and caught a song that, as described today, that our late bishop was a young man and was playing piano in a church in Akron, Ohio, and he taught the church a newer song. And as he taught a new song to them, today we sang it as an old song of the church. I was also reminded today as I went to Lebanon as my comedic son took the pulpit to preach. Called his father to the platform impromptu to sing a song I would not rehearsed. And described it as an old song that only seven people in a group of 51 even remember. And I introduced the song and by the time service was over, I stepped over to Brother Danny and Sister Cheryl and I said, I have come to realize that 10 or 15 years ago when I was not preaching, I was often asked, Wonderful, you're not preaching. How would you like to do the solo for the choir tonight? Now, I am relegated to singing the old songs that no one remembers, but all of us with a little silver in our hair. But it's okay. I'm learning my place in ministry. I'm learning why that God has taken me to where I am. I'm okay with it. I stood down tonight and I listened to this choir. And as a matter of fact, I, I listened and I thought, my goodness, I, I haven't heard a better choir than what we heard tonight. 
and I've heard great choirs. They were anointed. They were powerful. They were on point. The incredible presentation of music was absolutely phenomenal. I recognize that there was a day that I actually, some of you may not know this, but I at once upon a time was a drummer. And I traveled with a southern gospel music group, a recorded music group. Traveled the south over singing tenor and playing the drums. Today I sing old hymns. I listened to them tonight and thought how far that the talent level of the church has come. It was such a powerful move of God in the building, but I recognize that what we have, there must be a vein of operation of ministry that makes what we felt and sensed tonight usable or applicable. In other words, it's one thing to be in a service and feel the presence of God as powerfully as we did during the worship tonight, but it is another thing to apply that to the congregation and there be a response to the anointing. So I want to speak to you tonight about four places of ministry And the first that I want to speak to you about tonight, all four of these are taken from the text that I read into your hearing tonight. I I read to you about four places. Jesus, Jesus ministered in all four places in one day in the city of Galilee. The first place that our text brings us to tonight, it said, and Jesus was in the synagogue. Everybody say the church. I want to talk to you this evening about the important places of ministry. And there is no place any more vital than the church. The church, Jesus declared, is to be a house of prayer. And he will not tolerate the church being anything other than what he has called the church to be. While the church provides many resources, it must specialize in being the primary place for ministry. This house must be a place where the operation of ministry is what we are known for. Thank God for wonderful programs and we're doing our best to make them better, but we must be a primary place for ministry. Although we have a good church, we are not a perfect church. And we have places as a church where we are weak and where we need to grow. I see it. Our leadership team sees it. Others see it. We have not arrived. We are in the process of being the kind of church 
that God has called us to be. But before we go out into our community, we need to take the necessary provisions in the areas where our local church needs to improve in its ability to minister. As pastor, I strive to create a culture of continuous improvement. Sometimes my drive and my passion is misunderstood as an attempt at perfection. Regardless how many years the ministry has existed and how experienced that we may be, there is always room for improvement. My, my strive is not for perfection. My strive is for improvement. I want to speak to every leader in the church tonight. When I speak of leaders, I'm talking about anybody that holds any position or does anything in the church. Whether you lead a lawnmower, a vacuum cleaner, a hand towel, or a kitchen spoon. Whether you lead a song, a musical instrument, teach in a classroom, or hold an office. I want to speak to every leader in the church. Whether you are a mother, a father, an influencer, whether you are a tithe payer or a new member, I want to speak to every leader in the church. If we are able and if we are going to go where God wants to take this church, we must passionately pursue excellence. Notice there is a vast difference between excellence and perfection. Our strive for excellence in no way suggests that we are perfect. But at the same time, I refuse to approach any church service, any event, any project, anything we do in the church haphazardly with an oh well, it's good enough attitude. It's not good enough until he says it's good enough. The pursuit of perfection will frustrate you. It will prevent productivity. But the pursuit of excellence should be the priority for every ministry. If you lead a ministry in this church, you should be pursuing excellence. That means you should be giving your best effort in every area of ministry. It will cost you your time. You can't be frustrated about it. If you don't have the time to give, step aside and let somebody else lead. If you're not willing to put forth the extra effort, let somebody with more passion take the reins and move it forward. But the pursuit of excellence must be the priority of every ministry. Before I step to this pulpit to preach a message, I sit in my office, I pray, and I ask God, Lord, would you please allow me today to preach better than I have ever 
preached before. In my study, I asked God, Lord, I'm not a good preacher. I'm not a great communicator. I'm not good at this. I can only do it if you anoint me, if you bless me, and if you help me. But God, if you will, I'll give you the glory, and I'll do my best. I'll study my hardest. I'll read until I can't stay awake any longer. I will study. I will try. I will will preach with passion. I will give it everything I have because I value the call to ministry and I want to pursue excellence and I want every person under the sound of my voice to pick up in my passion that they need to be passionate about their ministry. We must value the church. We must value this church. Would a real estate agent run down a house that they're trying to sell because they recognize its flaws? We all must remember that there is more right with the church than there is wrong with the church. This isn't my church, your church, or our church. It's God's church. You didn't buy it, I didn't pay for it. He purchased it with his own blood. It's not my bride or your bride, it's his bride. We're just part of the body. The church is spoken of as the bride making herself ready. That means we haven't reached perfection. We don't always get it right. We don't always do everything the way that it ought to be done. But we ought to pursue excellence. Certainly. The church often stands in need of perfecting. It is an institution made up of very imperfect human beings, including myself, who bring to the table all of our shortcomings and all of the faults that can be seen in our lives by those who know us the best. But no good church is ever satisfied being what she has been. But the world urgently needs to see our very best attributes on display for them to see. This is why what you say about the church and what you post about the church And the innuendos that are sent by social media about the church should be scrutinized and given prayerful thought to the damage or the help that you are bringing to God's church. He died for it. He loves it. While he vehemently hates sin, he passionately loves the sinner. No company. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. No business. No profession. No other institution would permit statements about their failures to go unchecked. Yet the leadership of the church is not allowed 
to counter such attacks against the church without provoking hostility. Walmart, General Motors, Apple Computer, or any other business could ever stand the criticism that the church has endured and ever hoped to stay in business. The only way the church has stayed in business is because God said, even the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Some time ago, I was traveling. I was a frustrated passenger delayed by an airline. I was frustrated by the inconvenience of my delayed flight. In my frustration, I made a critical social media post about my flight provider. Almost immediately, a public response on my public social media account countered my post in an attempt to minimize the negative impact of my negative scrutiny on their business. It was at that moment I realized I didn't tag them. I just simply referenced a delay thanks to a particular company. They immediately apologized for the frustration. Explained that some things are out of their control. And then asked me to contact them by reaching them on a certain with a certain code where they would give me a voucher to help lift the burden of my frustrations. Within moments, I received an email asking that if I would not mind deleting my post, it would be appreciated and my voucher could be doubled. But not in the church. You could never, oh, it's quiet in here tonight. You could never have a successful company so closely scrutinizing itself to the point that they always presented their worst side to the world and ever hoped to stay in business. No profession could ever do like many concerning the church, but the church is strong. And is the only hope in a hopeless world. That's why the Lord keeps propping up the church. That's why he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Because the world cannot exist without the church. The church is without controversy the greatest institution that has ever been built upon the earth. It is possessed by and has at its disposal the greatest and the most powerful influence that has ever existed. That is the Spirit of God. What we felt in this building tonight was not a portion of God. It was the Almighty God of Heaven who spoke, let there be, and put the whole thing into existence. That swept. 
He swept into this house a little while ago. And his glory and his power was present. The church is an amazing place. No business could have survived. Walmart couldn't survive. Apple couldn't survive. GM couldn't survive. But getting a group of people together and saying, hey, let's build a building. Let's furnish it. Let's finance it. Let's pay to work there. Let's pay for it. Let's fight all the obstacles to keep it afloat. Yet the church has survived cultures. Men and women have come and they have gone. Yet the church has survived for centuries. I'm going to tell you tonight, there's a whole lot right with the church. Look around you, my friend. I'll tell you what is right with the church. Look out here in this congregation today. I'll tell you what's right with the church. Look on this front row and see a group of young men that the world would say there's no hope for. But they're growing up being strong. Apostolics. Look at a group of young ladies on a second row. Look at families. Look at elders in the house. Look at young millennials that are saying, I'm going to do something for the Lord. I don't care what the rest of the world is doing. This is what's right with the church. Tell you what's right with the church. The church. What do I do with my glasses? Anybody know? I threw them somewhere. I get so beside myself, I lose my glasses. Then I can't see my notes, and somebody started rejoicing. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you some things that are right with the church. It's people giving up holiday weekends after already spending two and a half years to build a building. And yet they show up when they sh- could and should be with their family because they said we're facing deadlines. You want to know what's right with the church? Look at people that are volunteering. Look at staff members that get paid for a certain number of hours yet work about double those hours because they want to see the church grow. Look at members labor, laboring and toiling, inviting guests and being, bringing friends, going out of their way to pick up somebody to bring them to church. These are some things that the church has going right for them. Look at members sacrificing, giving sacrificially to pay for a new building. Look at how the church responds to families who are in crisis. Look at the evangelists and the missionaries who are being sent out. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is the greatest place for ministry. That's why we need to do everything we can to protect the church. The first area of ministry is the church. If we fail here, we fail everywhere. We must be successful in the church. The second area of ministry I want to point out to you tonight. Jesus left the synagogue. In verse 38, the scripture says, And he arose out of the synagogue, and he entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought her. In other words, Jesus went to Simon's house to do ministry. He left the church to go to the house and do ministry. 
Can I say to you tonight, unequivocally, you don't have to have a pulpit to do ministry. One of the most powerful ministries available is ministry work that is done outside the walls of the church. And that is house to house ministry. It's how the New Testament church was started. It's how the gospel was originally spread. It was house to house daily in prayer and supplication and fellowship with one another. It was house to house ministry. It was building up one another. It was Bible study groups. It was a fellowship culture that would rather be together with God's people that they worship with on Sunday and Wednesday. They would like to spend time on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so they get together house to house and they let their kids play together and grow up together and they fellowship together and they do ministry together and they pray together as a kid growing up I've shared with many of you before I remember going house to house on visitation it was how most of my young Saturdays were spent with my father leading the way we would go house to house dad would stop in backsliders homes visit saints houses with lost family members present he would go in drink a cup of coffee and we never left without him saying let's have a word of prayer he just made a connection it's how he built a church a church in a little community with about 25 or 30 people that actually call Rosevine, Texas home. Yet he built a church of over 150 people because everybody in the county knew who he was because he went house to house in fellowship with the people. He reached out to them. I understand that this is an area of much need in this church. It's a needed ministry. The Lord laid it strongly upon Pastor Spencer's heart and began to deal with him. He coupled at that point working directly under my direction in our office team and began the development of a project that is called STEPS. He began building and putting together the STEPS program. He was assisted by Sister Chelsea. We're glad to have her here tonight. We've missed her for a few weeks. He began developing and working and putting together a program called the STEPS program. The STEPS program is going to be launching here from this pulpit on July 1st in only four short weeks. I want to explain to you a little bit about the STEPS program. The STEPS program is a program that it is to take the church into the home. The STEPS program is to increase fellowship, increase Bible study participation. It is an evangelism opportunity. It is a ministry opportunity. It is a leadership point for anyone who, who wants to lead in a particular area. There will be three breakdowns of the STEPS program. And one of these is just simply getting together for fellowship. Maybe somebody likes to, likes to weave baskets. You can get together with all the baskets. Basket weavers, and you can weave baskets. Maybe somebody likes to go fishing. You can have your fishing team. Me and Brantley may be part of that group. Whatever your hobby may be, you can create a fellowship group, and it all operates under the church. 
there's certain training and certain direction. It is to give us an opportunity to reach out, to connect people on the outside and make outsiders insiders. It's a way for us to invite our neighbor to come to our quilting party. It's a way to invite our neighbor to go shoot guns on Saturday afternoon not knowing it's a setup with a bunch of men at church. It's fellowship points. There's growth parts to this where you will be able to teach Bible studies. They will be trained and equipped and ready to be able to lead Bible studies. Our STEPS program is going to launch. I don't want to spend much time here. But we must take what we have in the house and we must take it house to house. I wish I felt a little more support in the house tonight. It will cost you your time. Nobody's going to make you be part of anything. But for those who have a desire, it's free will. So if you don't like it, no problem. Stay at home and suck your thumb. But if you want to be part, all you got to do is sign up. All you got to do is say, I want to fellowship with the church. I want to fellowship with brothers and sisters. I want to be part. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be connected. I don't want to be an island to myself. But I want to grow with the church. third area of ministry is spelled out very clearly in the 42nd verse that I read to you tonight. After Jesus left the synagogue and he went to Simon's house and he ministered in Simon's house. Verse 42 says, And when it was day, he departed and he went to a desert place. And the people sought him, and they came to him, and they asked him to stay, asked him not to depart from them. This area of ministry is what I'm going to call the ministry to the street. Jesus' first area of ministry was the synagogue. The second area of ministry that I see very clearly in this text was in the house. The third area of ministry was in the streets. Several weeks ago, before the Lord inspired this message upon me, the Lord actually gave me this message to clarify the vision that He has put in my spirit. I was going to bring this to the leadership team tomorrow night in our planning session. I even told my wife, I'm contemplating and feel like maybe it would be more appropriate to bring it on Monday night. But the Lord continued to deal with me and challenge me to bring it to the congregation tonight. So the third area of ministry for this church is the streets. A few weeks ago, the Lord inspired me. During our Spanish service, I stepped up. During our bilingual service, and I spoke to you about five minutes. And I spoke vision to you. And I made a statement. And the statement was, we're going to take it to the streets. I'm challenging this church tonight to step up and get ready. But what we have inside the four walls will never accomplish what God really wants to do until we get it house to house. But we have got to get it into the streets. We must take it to the streets. 
our initiative, our evangelism initiatives for this summer and fall. We are calling, taking it to the streets. I spoke with somebody a few days ago about developing multiple outlets for ministry. In our discussion, they were talking about a desire to do nursing home ministries, a desire to do jail ministries. There are all sorts of ministry opportunity. Nursing homes, what more could we say other than those who, who are shut in and can't get out that would love to have somebody come. As a matter of fact, I think we have some here in our congregation that go, that play music for them, that sing songs with them, that pray with them, that talk with them in the nursing homes. Those incarcerated in jails. I told somebody, I don't know. I've ministered in a jail a few times. I've never spent a night in a jail. I don't know what it's like to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. I don't know what it's like to live a life that would take me to such places. I don't necessarily relate to that to that aspect of life but there's others that said that's where God brought me from. Maybe that's an opportunity for somebody to take it to the streets. But we're not limited by opportunity. We just need labors. A few days ago, the doors of opportunity swung open for my personal ministry and for this church in ways that we have absolutely Never experienced. I received a call from someone who challenged me as a pastor and said, whatever you need, pastor, you have it and it is available to you. If you want the city courthouse, you have it. You want the square, you have it. You want the park, you have it. You want to close down a street, you have it. But the church has got to do something in the street that affects our community. I told him, sir, you will see Christian Life Church step up to the challenge. I mentioned taking it to the streets. Ladies and gentlemen, I come tonight to tell you that in the next four to six months, we're going to do more work in the streets than what we have been doing. We've got to take the talent and the ability that God has given this congregation and we must take it to the streets. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this. This year will be 53 years, I believe, 53 years that on 4th of July, this church has had an annual 4th of July picnic. Never missed one. Isn't that amazing? That's a cool tradition. 4th of July picnic, ending with fireworks at the park. We have a great crowd, wonderful turnout. It's hardly a picnic. It's more like a feast. It's a festival. We bring our food. You bring yours. We mix it all together. I eat all that I can handle. But this year, our July 4th picnic is going to be more spectacular than it's ever been. We're already lining up. Someone is already reserving places at the park. This year, we're going to have a presence bigger than any presence we've ever had. We're going to have banners up. We're going to have flare and flash. People are going to know who we are and why we are there. We are going to be communicating with people. We are going to have children's ministry programs going on during the picnic. 
We're going to be inviting people to come in and be part and eat some of your good cooking. We're going to take it to the street. Not only are we going to do this during our 4th of July picnic, but just up the way in the evening, many groups assemble and they have all sorts of areas. We have teams that are already beginning to develop. We're going to have food booths. It's not for profit. It's for promotion. Our fees will be small because we want to draw people in. We're going to give them good food and we're going to talk to them about the ministry of the church. We're going multicultural all the way. We're going to have Spanish folks and English folks. We're going to be in there together. We may serve hot dogs. We may serve tacos. Somebody said shrimp cocktail and barbecue brisket. My Lord, I need to close this message. It's not about the food. It's not about what we're serving. But what we're doing is we're putting a face to and of our church available for the community. As we move forward with this, we're taking the opportunity of 4th of July to invite people by giving them a free ticket to come right back to the park on Saturday, July 7th, only three days after this event, to come back to a free block party and movie night right there at the TPA Park. We've already got it approved. It's already set up. Spencer's already got a team working on it. We're going to have a big movie night. We're going to have jump houses for the kids. We're going to be connected with people. We're going to take it to the streets. We're going to connect with new friends. We're going to promote the ministries of CLC. We're going to minister to families right there. We're going to pray over needs right there in the park. We're taking it to the streets. Then on Sunday, it's an evangelism week. Then on Sunday, July the 8th, we're going to have a very special evangelistic service that everybody that comes to the movie night is going to be invited back to. Our children's program and our youth program is going to be on point. Our student ministries is going to be at its absolute best. Our music program is going to be ready. Everything is going to be in place. The ushers are going to have chairs ready to go out. We're going to be ready to do whatever we have to do, even if it means giving up a seat. It's going to be one of the last big evangelism events in this building. We may have to park off campus. We may have to stand to give somebody else a seat. We may have to frost the windows before they get here on Sunday morning. But the Holy Ghost is going to show up in the house. And lives are going to be changed. And people are going to be moved and healed and saved. Our second meeting is going to be held tomorrow night as we continue planning the processes for these initiatives. But I need to move along before I take a lot of time tonight. 
We have made a decision that instead of inventing the wheel, that we utilize the wheel somebody else invented. Instead of the church trying to gather a crowd, we're going to utilize the crowds that are already together. We're taking it to the streets. Frankfurt has what is known as the hot dog festival. How creative. The hot dog festival this year is going to have a brand new meaning for CLC because we already have booth space being set aside. We're going to have music teams. We're going to be live on the square. We're going to have people out shaking hands, smiling and greeting. You don't have to be weird. We're going to show them that we are normal people that love a great big God that loves them. We're not going to be weird. We're going to do it classy. We're going to shake hands, meet people, ask if we can pray for their needs, invite them to church. We're going to have a massive presence in the city. We're going to promote the ministries of CLC. We're going to minister on the streets. But ultimately, we are going to be building toward one of the largest evangelism events that we have ever promoted at CLC. The timing is still a little sketchy, so I can't bring you dates. Original dates that we laid out may not work. Brother Brandon and Sister Ashley Newcomer are going to be working very closely with me. We're going to be calling on the entire church. We're particularly going to be relying on our young adults and on our students. We're going to get into every school that is represented in this church. We're going to get into every social group we can possibly get in. I'm going to try to explain to you what we are going to do. We are going to have an event that is called The Solution. The Solution, ladies and gentlemen, is what the world really needs. The challenge to me as a pastor and us as a church was do whatever you can, pastor. We must counter what is going on in our community. We have scores of young adults and youth alike that are dying from drug overdose and suicide. We need a solution. I said, sir, we have the solution. Jesus is the solution. We're going to take him to the streets. We're going to get him in the schools. We're going to get him into every corner. We're going to get him at the, at the skate park. We're going to get him at the TPA park. We're going to get him into every neighborhood. We're going to get him across town on 4th Street. We're going to get him uptown. We're going to get him in the back alley. We're taking him to the streets. 
I refuse to sit idly by and watch our neighborhoods go downhill and watch our young adults die of suicide and drug overdose without doing everything we we can do. It doesn't matter if I have to take a pay cut, if we have to work, if I have to work a second job and my wife gets a second job, whatever we have to do, we're going to fund it and we're going to do it. We're going to take it to the street and we're going to reach our world. I envision, you can be seated, I envision our first evangelism event in our new building. I have already spoken with the potential speaker. If I called his name, you would know him. He was delivered from alcohol and drugs. He has spent many nights without knowing where he was going to live or if he was going to live the next day. In and out of jail. Time in prison. A life that only one who has been there could relate to. But he's going to come and bring a powerful testimony of the delivering power and hand of the Lord. I called evangelist Nick Mahaney. I said, we've got to get on your schedule because you have got to be with us for this event. He said, I can't give you the dates you want. I said, then give me whatever dates we can because the Lord has spoken and you are the man. He said, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be there. Whatever I have to drop, leave, whatever I have to do, I'm going to be there. I began to give him the thing. He began to respond on the phone. I come tonight to tell you that what God is going to do with the solution is it is going to empower people in this community. God is lining things up. There are going to be ministry opportunities that we are going to do house to house. We are going to be... We are are going to offer all sorts of accountability programs and ministries and it's going to be you that is going to make this happen. When we move into our new building, we've got to be there to house the kind of crowd we're going to have for the solution. But when it comes to pass, I'm telling you, you are going, your mind is going to be blown. We are going to make an impact because we are taking Jesus to the streets. i got to close. The fourth area of ministry. They begged him, Jesus, don't depart. You've done miracles. You've cast out devils. You've spoken with authority and with power. You have healed the sick. Don't leave us. In verse 43, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. It is imperative that the ministry and the work of Christian Life Church, family of churches be successful 
now and into the future. We have only scratched the surface of what God is going to do. This isn't a right now, today ministry. This is a long-term vision that we are going to take what we have. I believe That God called me to this church, to this city, to this season. And he has filled this church with young men and young women. Like these on this platform. Like these on this first and second row. Like these young Men and young women and these middle-agers that's taking their families to other cities because they see the need to take what we have and duplicate it. It will never be honestly said that Pastor Jordan held ministries captive and kept people from going and doing what God has called them to do. As a matter of fact, I believe and preach to you tonight under the conviction of the Holy Ghost that I believe that what God has done in this church, I believe that the positioning that God has put in this church is for the purpose of training and raising up young men and young women to go to the mission field, to go to the evangelistic field, to go to other cities, to build churches. And this church must be willing to share what we have been given unselfishly because when we oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so powerful in the room right now I see God developing and growing young men and young women I see a desire I watch some of these young men I watched the other night as these two young men came to this front and they began laying hands on and praying for younger young people than themselves. I saw Taryn. How old are you, Taryn? Nine years old. I saw Taryn over praying with six and seven year olds, praying, laying hands on them, encouraging them. Somebody said, isn't that precious? You have no idea. Because you don't know. You don't know what God is doing here. You don't know the plan. I don't know the plan. But one day, his mom and dad brought him right up here to the front of the room and dedicated him to the Lord and said, God, whatever, however you can use him, use him. 
And I believe that God put me here at this hour. He brought my family here at this hour. For all the young men, not just Taryn, but he's representing all these young men and young ladies that God is calling to do a work and it's my job to impart and teach and train because I can only be one place at one time. But the influence that we can have as a church by understanding the power of duplication Jesus said, I can't stay here. I know you want me to stay here. I know you want me to do this, but I I have a job to do. As a matter of fact, his words were, I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities also, for therefore am I sent. I would rather, the flesh in me would rather have all of our ministers home every service. Have all of our families home every service. But that's not what this church is about. If we are a book of Acts church in which we are striving to be, God is developing people, leaders, workers, teachers, all with the plan of us taking what He is putting in us here and broadcasting it all around the world. We're not done planting churches. Today in Lebanon we had 51 in attendance. It wouldn't have been possible if 20 people hadn't have said, we're going to go and help you get this thing started. The rock had a powerful service today. It wouldn't be possible if people weren't sacrificing their Saturday afternoon, their Sunday afternoons to go and say, We're going to help you. We're going to labor alongside you. What's going to happen when God begins to lay the burden on your heart and you see the opportunity? What happens when we begin to step into our next field of labor and our next field of labor? Are you ready? Are you ready to step in? If you're a ministry leader in the church tonight, I have spoken to you. We must be and we must lead as God has called us to lead. We're going to take it beyond the church We're going to take it house to house. I know you don't know everything about the STEPS program. It's going to be presented to you on July 1st. It's going to be a great night. But there's some in the room tonight that says, I would like to do something and don't really know what I can do. This is going to be your opportunity to discover. This is how I can be an integral part of what God is doing. If you're not already on a team, you need to... Sign up, ask, show up, be part, kick, bed, 
beg, borrow, pry your way in, break it if you have to. But say, I want to be part of whatever it is we're doing on the streets. I want to be there. I want to be part. And if you're not already involved in what God is doing in other cities, you need to find a way to get involved. Not everybody can go every week, I understand, but in some way, if it's through giving, if it's through laboring, if it's through prayer, if it's through showing up, if it's through encouragement, if it's through a donation, whatever it is, everybody ought to do whatever you can to be part because we need to take it to other cities also. Stand with me tonight. I've labored long tonight. I've preached over 50 minutes. That's far too long. But the Lord is wanting to speak to hearts throughout this room tonight. I see young people tonight that God is growing and developing. If only I could get them to recognize the potential that God has placed in them. You are positioned in such an incredible point and place in your life that others and many around the country would, would love to be given the opportunities that are set before you. Truly, God is setting before you an open door. My challenge is will you step through and say whatever it is you want me to do, God, I'm willing Heads are bowed, eyes are closed around the room tonight. I know there's not room for every person to stand in the front. But we can fill up the aisleways. We can do whatever we can. But God, I feel such a convicting spirit in the room right now. God is wanting to minister the help and strength that is needed for some in the house. Some need courage. Some need direction. I preach to the best of my ability tonight, but God is calling us. He's calling us into areas of ministry. Maybe you've never said yes to your call of ministry. Would you allow God to call you tonight? Maybe you've never surrendered to the call that you've known that is there. Would you just surrender to it tonight and say, I'm tired of being selfish. I'll give you all, God. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you know where it is. Maybe you know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Would you just step out tonight and say, God, if you'll open the door, I'm going to step through it. Everybody in the room should respond in some way. God has met with us so powerfully tonight. He's met with us in such a divine way. in the church to prayer tonight would you take a few minutes and just talk to the Lord would you connect with him right now just you and Jesus don't worry about your neighbor right now don't lay hands on someone else I want you to pray for your own self right now